As a result of the continued spread of coronavirus, many of us have found ourselves under a prolonged lockdown. A lockdown we weren't given much time to prepare for mentally or physically. Throughout this mini-series, we're looking at a number of different ways COVID-19 has affected our bodies, and today we're looking at our moods. This is Your Body Under Lockdown. As always, I'm joined by Tony Lawless, holistic health coach expert, owner of QuantumFlowPerformance.com and author of Quantum Flow Running. Tony, how have our moods been affected by COVID-19? Well, I think um, our moods are more than likely going to be uh, a little bit lower. That's for sure, because stress and, and lower energy levels will also lead to lower mood levels for us. Um, that, and that's the big thing. We, we are finding ourselves dipping in our moods. So as we get locked down and as we get forced to spend long periods of time uh, without distractions, we're forced to look a little more inward. And uh, sometimes that can throw up um, little curveballs for us to deal with. And so our moods can alter. And uh, we don't also have, because we're locked in, we don't also have the outlets and the distractions that we would normally do on our daily basis. So our moods can be uh, very susceptible to change and we can... um, Normally, I suppose we're very predictable, but in this time of uncertainty and change, we can become quite unpredictable and our moods can become quite unpredictable as well. What would be an example of, um, of a mood change that you would expect maybe in this situation? I, I would see people becoming more sedentary, um, stress levels going up. So becoming a little bit more anxious. Um, maybe potentially there's a lot of people who who work through uh, depression and live with depression so maybe higher levels of depression coming through and uh, even just a little bit of irritability you know when we share space with somebody sometimes we start to focus on their habits and their traits then uh, a lot more than we would normally do and sometimes we're focusing on negative traits we tend to just as a choice because we can choose what we focus on, we tend to focus on what's annoying us rather than what's making us happy. And so um, you can start to pick up uh, some negative traits and focus on other people's negative traits, which can really affect your moods and really let it get in on top of you if you don't take control of them. Well, it wouldn't just affect your mood, it would affect their mood as well. I imagine that if we're we're judging other people and finding their negative traits we're going to probably let it slip and and maybe tell them which can then affect other people's moods as well so this is this is quite an important thing it could be very negative um when you're when you're trying to create a safe space to live in all of a sudden you find yourself living in uh, quite a negative space as well because you've possibly created it and as you say you've let it slip where something's annoying you or some sort of a habit is is annoying you so yeah you could find yourself in trouble very quickly So going into this a little bit deeper, how are our moods actually formed? Okay, well, I think the first thing we need to look at is that there are six basic human needs that we all need to thrive. We all need to have those met so as we can thrive. Now, we talked a couple about a couple of them in the earlier episode, and that would have been exercise and water we mentioned. But really, we're focusing on the number one need today. And in this episode, we're talking about thoughts. That's top of the list. So we've already mentioned uh, some of these, as I say, in the last episode. And there's no doubt in my my mind that if our moods are not, or our thoughts are not good, then our moods are going to be low. So our moods are really fueled by our physical and our emotional states. It's very simple. Um, Both our physical and emotional states are being tested at the moment by the lockdown experience. And that's really changing as well on a minute by minute 
hour by hour basis, depending on who you've just been beside or what you've just heard or what you've just done or maybe even what you've just eaten. Because sometimes our foods can uh, can play a big part as well in our moods. So there's lots of stuff going on that can affect our moods. So why is thoughts number one? Well, they're with us all the time. We can't get away from them. You know, every every little piece of news or information that we take in, we are starting to form thoughts about it, whether we believe it, whether we don't believe it. And I think they're there all the time in the background. And if we're not aware, they can be quite negative and go on for long periods of negativity, which um, brings us into a very negative mood then as a result of that. There's a few ways we can get around that as well. So a couple of the ways the moods are fueled can be, firstly, on a physical level, maybe by your posture, how we stand, how we sit. So if we're slouched and slumped over, that'd be quite negative. We wouldn't feel great. Maybe we are restricting our lung capacity and how we breathe. So we're getting less oxygen in and we wouldn't even know it. Our shoulders would just be maybe rounded forward, our spine would be curved and we'd be hunched over. So we're decreasing our oxygen level straight away. But if we stand up or sit up properly and straight and put our shoulders back, then we feel strong and the body feels in control of a situation. So the mood is going to be up and elevated. Mobility be a big one. If you if you were sitting down for long periods of time and you got up and you had a stiff sore back, then you'd be thinking, oh, I can't keep going on like this. Why does this have to keep going on? And you can talk yourself into a negative mood. The third one then I would say is your energy levels. If your energy levels are low, your mood is low. So how do you talk yourself out of this negative spiral of thoughts? Yeah, well, that's that's the key, isn't it? Uh, you've got to understand the, the process first. You've got to be really aware and mindful that you're going through it. So once you can identify it, then you can start to talk yourself out of it. And from a mental perspective, how our moods are fueled are very much through our self-talk. So the ideal way to do it is to find out, um, to come out of the end result, to get a, a picture of what sort of an end result you want to achieve and then reverse engineer the whole system. So I'm going to do that for you now, if that's OK. I'd like to share that with you. Um, the first thing is obviously we start off with our results. So that in order when we have a result or an outcome in mind, that gives us a measurable or tangible goal to achieve. But underneath that, how do we achieve our results? Well, we achieve them through our performance levels because our performance governs our results. Okay, At the moment, one of our performance levels would be that we stay away. I suppose we practice the social distancing. Uh, we obey the rules that are in place for us. And, and that gives us a sense of winning. So we want to achieve that and we want to be at that performance level. Underneath that would be our beliefs. And if we believe we can do this, and if we believe we can survive and we can thrive, then we will start to perform like somebody who believes it. But underlying those beliefs are your thoughts. And these really do fuel our beliefs. So if we have positive thoughts and we talk to ourselves well, then uh, we're going to believe that we can do something, we're going to perform better, and that's going to give us better results. Now, there's another couple of layers below that that a lot of people don't actually think about and, and we don't really discuss that much. Um, so below our thoughts are our feelings. And when we're feeling positive or negative at a particular time that we make a decision, we'll decide its outcome. That's important to understand. And lastly, below the emotions or below the feelings are our emotions. So what chemicals are present 
in our bodies at that time that we make a decision. They can be full of stress hormones or we can be full of relaxed hormones. So we've got this layer from the results, our performance, our beliefs, our thoughts, our feelings and our emotions in that order. But the one thing that underlies all of these is in fact our uh, physiology and our heart rate. And so if we can control our heart rate, then we can actually control our stress levels and we can control our moods as well, which is a big benefit for us. So this is really going right down to the very core of where the the thoughts and uh, maybe your emotions and feelings uh, come from. But the, the physiological level of things uh, you mentioned there, you're, you're going down to heart rate. It still is something that you can control or it's not? Well, if you look at sports people, professional sports guys and, and girls, maybe in the Olympics or somewhere like that, they're there's only really a few of them that are competing to win the gold medal. There's a lot of them competing just to perform at their very personal best and achieve a personal best time. And the stress comes on there and that's self-inflicted. That's themselves wanting to perform at their very best. They've had years of focus and practice. Um, sports people like golfers, American footballers, uh, they, when the pressure comes on, the big guys and girls can control their heart rate. And in order, when they control their heart rate, their mood is up, they're very strong and they're very positive and they start to believe in themselves. When the heart rate starts to run away with us, we go into the stress response. So the two little amygdala in the brain, they pick up the fact that our heart is elevated and that means that we're out of our comfort zone. Those amygdala then relay all the signals and they send us into that fight or flight response. And that's when we start to lose judgment. We start to uh, get get fueled by fear and anxiety and tension. And when we do all that and when all that arrives in the body, then we're going to feel negative about ourselves because we're out of control and we're out of our comfort zones. The one question that I have when you talk about this and you talk about the professional sportsmen and uh, how they can control their heart rate, how do we control our heart rate? How can we do it? Okay, so... The, the first thing is it's all about practice. If you go and have a look now at doctors and nurses and people that are working on the front line, they're so well trained to perform under pressure that this is second nature to them. They're dealing with it extraordinarily well. They're, they're, it, it comes across that they're full of courage, but in fact, it's their training. their hours and hours and hours and years of training that they've gone through and practice that they've gone through allows them to perform at the highest level right at the most pressured moments. For us, we tend not to get through that uh, stress point where we need to practice so much. So what I would suggest is that we start to practice. We just start to practice being aware of our heart rate and then using techniques to control our heart rate as well. In the last episode, you gave us a couple of techniques to control our stress. Do you have any techniques that you can share with us that uh, will help us control our heart rate? Well, I think the, the, the easiest way to do it is through breathing, because if your heart rate is pumping hard, if you're, if you're elevating the heart rate, then what you need to do is to try and bring in some sort of a breathing technique to help you relax the heart rate down. And it's, it's very simple. You recognize that there's a problem in, and the heart rate is elevated 
and then all you need to do is to focus on your breathing. So usually what happens is people tend to pant and panic a lot. What we need to do is to slow down the breath. We need to try and take a little bit of tension out from around the muscles in the chest area. So we relax the shoulders down. We take the tension out of the shoulders, the neck, the throat area, and then just focus on breathing gently in through the nose and out through the mouth. And if you can practice that on a daily basis, and the way I like to do it is, I'm a firm believer of setting up a routine. So we were talked about the having the Pilates first thing in the morning. And for the breathing exercises for me, the way I work it is that before every main meal, I will go through a very simple set of breath work or breathing exercises. And I'll have a little bit of uh, breath work before my breakfast, before my lunch and before my tea. And that's how I work it. And I'll just do about three minutes. That's all it takes. Calm the body down, relax the body, relax the tension out of the central nervous system. Make sure the digestive system is up. And we talked about that in the last episode. Make sure the digestive system is working properly. Enjoy the meal and just calm down. And that helps to condition the body to relaxing as opposed to all the time being stressed. We're teaching it to relax. And have you chosen those times for a specific reason or is that just what suits you? Um, I chose them because I like to be relaxed when I'm eating because I think there's lots of benefits to eating our food while we're relaxed. Uh, If we're under a bit of stress and we're not feeling that hungry and we're just eating for the sake of eating, then we're going to make bad food choices more than likely and we're just going to get the nearest thing into us to, to just keep us going. And I don't I want I would like people to try and get away from that point where they're just keeping going and we're just barely surviving under lockdown. The whole point of this, uh, these episodes is to try and help people to thrive through lockdown rather than just survive and and get through it. We want people to survive and thrive and to be prepared for when the whole thing ends. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's most important. And we will talk about that later on. But if if we become very sedentary and uh, lethargic and we lose our energy levels, then how are we going to actually be able to cope when we are asked to go back to work and what sort of energy levels we have and what sort of mood can we bring back to the office space and uh, the creativity can we bring back to the office space? You mentioned the six basic human needs. Can you just recap what those are? Yeah. Well, the first one right at the very top is our thoughts. Then we've got some oxygen. So you've really only got about three or four minutes to survive without oxygen. Uh, The next on the list is water. So you can survive without water for three or four days. Um, Food is number four on the list. We can go about 40 days without food. Uh, Sleep is the fifth one. And then exercise is number six. So most of these, in fact, five out of the six of these are free, which is great. And we're going to be eating food anyway. So it's just about making the correct choices around food. Otherwise, the others are just about building them into your routine. And once you become aware that these are six needs that I need to fill, then I think your routine will start to take shape much better for you. And you'll start to move into a space where you can thrive through the lockdown period. Before we before we finish, is there anything else that you think that uh, people should know about moods and how they can control their moods and maybe just being a little bit more aware of what's happening with other people's moods as well? OK, there's there's two little things that I would say. The first thing is they're not genetically inherited. So um, if you call them like first nature, if you think of them first nature, uh, things like uh, the colour of our eyes and the shape of our face 
and how tall we are and our colour of our hair, they're all genetically programmed into us. We have no control over it. They're all first nature. So second nature would be our moods where we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, where we actually can control them. And that's, and that's the big thing. We are in control here. We have got to be in control of our moods. And then once you take control of your moods and you're aware of what's going on, you can move into a space where you're back in your comfort zone. So you can become comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. And that's your comfort zone. And really, the, the, the big takeaway, I suppose, is once you're taking charge of your lockdown experience, then your moods will improve and you'll be in much better shape to go back to work. So just to go back on a couple of little things, I would say stand tall, move well and pay very close attention to your heart rate. They've been my three takeaways from today. In our next episode, we'll be looking at sharing space. Um, Tony, can you just give us a little preview of what that might be? Well, I I think sharing space, we're all forced to do it in lockdown or most of us are forced to do it, whether that's with your family or with uh, roommates or or whoever you're uh, coexisting with. And I think it's important that we are very aware that it's not just us going through it, that they're going through it as well. And they may have a slightly different take on things. And it's just being more aware, bringing your awareness to the situation and trying to use the techniques that we're teaching here and presenting here to help everybody enjoy the space that they're in. So that's what we're going to look at in the next episode. Don't forget to check out Quantum Flow Performance on Facebook, where Tony streams a free 20-minute Pilates class live each morning. Tony is also the author of Quantum Flow Running, and if you're interested in learning more about his book, you can visit quantumflowperformance.com. You've been listening to Your Body Under Lockdown.